Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator from Yahoo Movies, Jordan Zacharin. Um, thanks, everybody, for coming out. Uh, wet and cold outside, so I appreciate you coming out. But we have an awesome show. Spike Lee, John Cusack, talking about a really great movie. I know you guys haven't seen it yet, but uh, Chirac awesome, timely movie, a musical, a comedy, a satire, a drama, it's got everything. Uh, so they're, they're going to come out, we're going to talk about it, before that, give you a taste of it, we will show the trailer right now. This is an emergency. This is an emergency. Homicides in Chicago, Illinois, have surpassed the death toll of American Special Forces in Iraq. Hey, Ptolemy! Welcome to Chirac! Chirac, where we at, my city? Land of pain, misery, and strife. Everybody here got a man banging and slanging, fighting for the flag, risking that long zip of the cadaver bag. All to the bang, 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 bang. It all started with a gorgeous Nubian sister. What's up, Spinner? They call her Alyssa Strutt, a woman like no other. You just try taking away their guns. Okay, okay, the dirty poppers. Cause my gun go boom, I'll make sure a Trojan end up in the next All right, well what else do they love? Repeat after me. I will deny all rights of access or entrance. I will deny all rights of access or entrance. Mr. Stroud, I had them all take a solemn oath. Lock it up! Lock it up! Stop the murder madness or there would be no more pope. The situation's out of control because I'm in front of an empty stripper pole. Whack. That's right. You get snubbed. Oh, snap! We gonna make sure these fools put down these guns. Police signs, every day. People dying, every day. Mama's crying, every day. Father's trying, every day. Trying to get my head straight. It's the city of Chirac, and get your bed made. Do you want justice? Please pray for my city. Too much hate in my city. Too many hard aches in my city. But I got faith in my city. This Chirac and I love that you can't take it away from my city Some can't relate to my city They die every day in my city I'm yeah. going to be Yodi's Story of Can't shoot so babies get whacked That's how it is in Chirac And y'all mad cause I don't call it Chicago But I don't live in Chicago Boy I live in Chirac Peace! This is an emergency So, uh, as you can see, the movie is great, and uh, from the movie, Spike Lee, John Cusack. Please welcome him. Hello. Hello. How you doing? All right. All right, so, this movie, uh, you guys, Filmed it this year, but it's been around Spike, the script in some form for a long time, right? For six years or so. So could you tell us how, the, how this movie started, what the genesis of it is? Well, Kevin Wilmot wrote the original script. It was called, at the time, Got to Give It Up. 
it was an adaptation of the Aristophanes play, Lysistrata. And we were unsuccessful to, to get it done. And a year ago, I called him, let's try it again. But I said, this time, let's co-write it. Let's move it, let's, let's have, take place in Chicago, South Side. Let's call it Chirac. And uh, went to Sundance last January with my agent, Bart Walker. And we had a list of people to pitch it to. And everybody said no, except, except Amazon. And here we are, film opens. Friday. Yeah, so it's, it's been a pretty quick trip, and um, the name Chirac, for, uh, you know, a lot of people are just hearing about the movie now, and recently, just give us a little background on that name and why you picked the location. Well, that was uh, around long before you made the, the, the title of the movie. That was a, a name that people in the South Side and rappers have been using for a while, and I think there were um, a bunch of uh, videos and, and songs, and I think Vice did a series on that. Uh, from Chicago, so that's been around for a while. Yeah, and, and you are a, you're a Chicago guy too, John, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd heard I'd heard the name and, and the, the title and seen some of the videos and reports. And everybody, the guy that I play is um, named Father Corrigan, but it's very loosely based on a, a man named Father Michael Flager, who runs uh, the parish of Saint Sabina Church, where we shot, and who was a very close advisor and close friend of Spikes. I became a close friend of mine as well. And, uh, you know, he, like many others in churches and synagogues and mosques across the country, are, are basically doing everything they can to, to bring some semblance of peace and sanity to uh, these urban centers that have become war zones. So even today, uh, as of this count, uh, I mean, I don't know how many people were killed in San Bernardino. 14 people were killed in San Bernardino today. Then there was the Planned Parenthood shooting just the other day. And then uh, in Chicago, more than 2,300 people have been shot this year, and it's November. So um, th there are people in St. Sabina, Father Flager, and many others all around the country who are, are basically desperately crying out for attention. And uh, they welcome Spike and, and his track record and his uh, tradition of making very fearless f films. Uh, they w welcomed him with open arms to tell the story. So, uh, yeah, but Sh the name Chirac was not invented by Spike Lee or Kevin Wilmot. Yeah, and I mean, you guys shot on the south side of Chicago too, right? You were saying a lot of people came yes. out for uh, open auditions. So what was it like doing a movie like this, a very serious film, on location? It was fine. We had no problems. You know, people wanted to be there. People were excited. As John mentioned earlier, we had an open call, St. Sabina Church, for extras, background, 5,000 people showed up, and many of the people made it in front of the screen from that uh, audition. So it was, a, it was a, a moving experience, but it was a movie. Real life was happening while we were filming. We started June 1st, we finished July 9th. During that time, 331 people got wounded and shot, 65 got murdered, and it escalated. That it has escalated since then, and even uh, and and uh, one of the things that, I mean, Spike has made a satire, and um, those often get misunderstood. It's not a comedy, uh, it's not a tragedy, it's a satire. But so it has a, a lot of wild sh shifts and swings in tone. But um, one of the things that I think was so brilliant about uh, the film and the experience was the line between the community and the film was totally porous. So. When when I was work when I was doing my sermon at Saint Sabina Church, I'm in Saint Sabina Church. 
Now, they they're used to seeing caskets in the in the in the front of Saint Sabina Church. Um, this is happening every day. So even Father Flager's peacekeepers, Brandon and Kurt. If I I don't know if it's okay to say, say it, but one of them lost a, a brother right in pre-production. No, so, first day, my first day official pre-production, I, I attended the funeral. Uh, Brandon, who's one of the peacekeepers, these are former gang members who now work under Father Flager to keep the peace. His brother was shot down. So first day of pre-production, I was attending the funeral. And then when we're doing scenes uh, with um, Jennifer Hudson, who had her own tragedy in Chicago, um, in her family, uh, the, the people who are seemingly to be extras, they're not extras. Those are the mothers of purpose over pain who have lost their children. And the, the pictures that they're holding up are their actual children. So it wasn't like we're going on a sound stage and saying, oh, let's see if we can recreate the south side of Chicago. We were in, immersed into the neighborhood with the people. So it, it made it for, it, it sobered you up pretty quick. Like if you forgot what you were doing and thought you were making a movie, people around you were saying, no, this is, this is how we live every day. And, and so we were reminded of that. And when I met Spike the first time, he called me up, which I, th I think I've heard is how he calls up his friends to do a movie. He just calls up and says, cue that. I said, yep. He goes, it's Spike. I got some for you. Chirac. And I said, okay. And he said, when can we meet? And I said, I'll meet you anytime, Spike. Right? And then he told me what he was up to. And, and, uh, and like to piggyback what John said, I, I, everybody in front of the camera and behind the camera, we told him from the get-go that this, we want to save lives with this film. So that, that was the, the goal. We think we're going to do that. This film comes from a righteous place a spiritual place and we we put value on on human lives and we're also trying to really get to these young brothers who are okay if they die before the, the year i mean yeah. before they're 18 years old yeah and, and when I, as i said he said i'm doing chirac he goes look nobody's gonna get paid the only reason to do this movie is to save lives and i don't think that's from a messianic point of view but if uh spike or or other artists didn't believe that art had a, had the uh, the possibility to to actually be a voice for change. Then we wouldn't just do we wouldn't do it all, you know. Or, or maybe we would. We try to get rich doing it, but we also have a part of us that know that you know art is supposed to affect change. Well, and when we spoke a couple of days ago, Spike, uh, you mentioned Nick Cannon, who's great in this movie. It's uh, you know he plays uh, a gang leader and a rapper, and he's phenomenal. And you mentioned that he got some undue criticism for uh you know you you can talk about it but uh you, you made some some real comments about uh you know what people were saying about nick cannon and maybe he wasn't from chicago well there was some blowback about the cast and the nick cannon specifically coming from chicago chicago rappers the fact that he wasn't from chicago he's soft he has to kill nobody he ain't got bodies on him he's not in the corner slinging and this is the thing that really got me. He's not a savage. That's the new term. The new aspirational goal. It's not funny to be savage. And, and, and it's not all these young brothers, some. And so for me, I mean, I'm not going to, I have to have sympathy for them. But their whole world is so shook. And, and uh, Nick had this very great comedy told me hurt people hurt 
and these brothers crying out for help, for guidance, and uh, it's a very serious situation. The other aspect of that too is, uh, I think, there's a little bit of a reverse kind of standard or, or double standard because when I made um, the movie High Fidelity, and I love my city, I love Chicago, I shot in Chicago, I hired an English director, it was an English book, and no one asked me whether Jack Black was from Chicago. You know, it, does, it, it, it doesn't really matter. So I think part of the thing of attacking the movie was, was because um, there are some people in Chicago who think this is going to hurt tourism or this isn't good for that's the image of That's what the mayor our, told me. That's what, that's what we all got told on one way or the other. And I thought, well, um, you know, fuck that. You know, th that's not what, that's not, money is not the only thing you're supposed to worship in this world. And I don't think the tour buses are going down to 78th and Halstead anyway. The tour bus so is not just, going to Wild Wild Hundreds. But it's, it's not it's going a, to E-Dub, not going to Terror Town. It's a very cynical thing to say that. So I think a lot of the attacks at the movie were to discredit it from a lot of different angles because it didn't fit into a profile of a, a certain kind of person and people who don't want to look at what's, what's actually going on. But, you know, I grew up in Chicago and went down to Comiskey Park and University of Chicago, and uh, it was, it's never been this violent. I, so it's I, real. It's real. I got a call from the director of tourism from Chicago and calls about, are we on the same page, Spike? <laughs> this is true. I, uh, the mayor, who's having his own problems right now at this moment in time and space, we met once before we started shooting his office. A lot of people were in the room, Father Flager, several aldermen. And he said to me, Spike, I'm not trying to stop you from making a film, but I have problems with the title. It's going to hurt tourism and economic development. Will you change the title? I said no. I also told him that, like a lot of people who predicted riots and do the right thing, came a whole lot of other bullshit, you too are going to be on the wrong side of history when this film comes out. When we started, if tourism, there is no tourism in the south side of Chicago. Chicago, I mean, you know, you could you break it down better than I can, but while we were shooting, while we were filming the film, the NFL, Roger Goodell. Yep. The NBA draft was in Chicago. 200, a quarter of a million people in Grant Park. The last five concerts ever the Grateful Dead. It sold the field. field. How many? Yep. What, 100,000? Yeah. No, I think it's, uh, I think it's 60. I don't yeah, think it's Yeah, but if you those. got people on the ground. On yeah, the, yeah, a lot of people. Then you had Lollapalooza. So if, if this is why we were filming. You can, with those three events, you could not get a hotel room, a, a reservation, a restaurant. You couldn't get in the bar. And, and not just that. Uh, I remember I went down there one summer and I saw what looked like the NFL draft and they had... Uh, the pharmaceutical companies were holding a huge convention, and they gave them the entire lakefront. Huge tents, security, all that stuff. So it was an incredibly uh, cynical thing to say. Um, you know. And I also, I, don't, I didn't remember them worrying about um, tourism when they were blowing up robots with transformers and blowing up, you know. So I said, I think that the great city of Chicago can survive a film of conscience just like it did Transformer. <laughs> And, uh, and I think people got mad at me for that one. But, um, you know, I don't, 
I just thought it was very weird and cynical that with 2,200 people shot that um, we should be worrying about money. Uh, or the title of a film. And so a lot of these things... I mean, it's not... Contra the, the title of film isn't scandalous. What's scandalous is that 20, 2,300 people have been shot. So, and, and these things were distractions to get people away from what the film's about. And you're a football fan. Sorry about the Chicago Bears, but anyway. They just beat the Packers. <laughs> they did. But Aaron's coming back. But what I'm going to say real quickly, if you know football, if you know football, why don't you describe what a misdirection play is? Well, when I first met Spike, he was a very bitter guy because... Yeah, I, I knew it was kind of comfortable. I, saw, I, w I went to the University of Chicago, and I saw Do the Right Thing. And I looked at this film, and I said, my God, here's a great filmmaker. This is a powerful, powerful voice in film. And I had seen She's Gotta Have It, and so I became a fan and always wanted to work with him. But I had to you know, be very gracious to him as Michael Jordan beat the shit out of the Knicks every year. And now <laughs> on this press tour, you're trying to get back at me and mess with Chicago, but you know, it's done. But it's a misdirection, right? It's a misdirection. It's, a, it's like a no-look pass. Or... Right. And so all these things, the title, Nick Cannon, motherfucking Spike Lee's not from the South Side. By the way, we East hired more Chicago actors and uh, the... It was, a, it was a job creation machine for as long as we filmed. So a couple actors came in from out of town. That happens on most movies. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, the Chicago mayor, Rahm Emanuel, uh, didn't like the title, but he's got, as you said, he's got bigger concerns right now. Uh, and it's unfortunate that the, that the movie comes out at the same time as some... No, that's, that's, that's good. I think this, I mean... Uh... There's so much happening. I mean, if you look at this film, I mean, it's like we grab shit out of the headlines. So, uh, and actually, Spike would was um, as as we were shooting, he would. Uh, I think it was remember the uh, uh, okay. Dylan Roof. Yes. So he wrote a scene, and we shot it because even as we were filming in the eight week period we were filming, there were more gun massacres. So uh, I think he wanted it out as as soon as possible because I I believe I'm. I'm speaking for Spike Lee, and he's sitting right here, but I think he thinks the film is a, a delivery system for some urgently needed serious politics. Um, and so he wants that change as fast as possible, and so does everybody else. We, we, finished, we finished shooting July 9th. So if a film finished shooting July 9th and to be in the theaters December 4th, that's a very accelerated post-production schedule, but there's urgency. That's why you see the film, you see that thing, this is an emergency. This is an emergency. And here's the thing, if I, it is, I, when people, when I do press for a film, the one question I say, so Spike, what do you want people to come out of the theater? Usually they say I'm not asking that motherfucking question, it's stupid. <laughs> but this film is different because I want us to really, really work hard at thinking about what we can do about gun violence in the United States of America. How many San Bernardinos Sandy Hooks, Charleston, South Carolina, we have to have. Today, 14 people shot. Uh, the, the Planned Parenthood, we could keep going, keep going. And uh, 88 Americans die every day to gun violence, total 32,000. How can we call ourselves a beacon of democracy and all this other stuff, waving a flag? Other nations look like, like we're motherfucking crazy. 88 Americans die every day to gun violence. 
And it doesn't have to be that way. And we're also, we're also not talking about taking away people's, American citizens' Second Amendment rights. They're simple things. We get tough on background checks, like Father Flager has been talking about for years. We could title guns like cars. These things could knock that number down from 88 a day. Uh, I mean, the solutions are there, and you know, the, the org that was supported you last last night, your march, uh, everytown.org. Yeah. You know, you don't have to agree with everything they say, but these gun reform laws are are, are pretty universally talked about, and have been brought up for years. But you know, unless you actually talk about the NRA and you talk about the money that that's made off the of gun wars manufacturers. and the weapons manufacturers. You know, I mean, it doesn't just happen, War Inc. doesn't just happen overseas. It happens here, too. Absolutely. So, it, you know, we can wear orange and say the right things and talk about human rights and, and be morally righteous, but unless you want to fuck with the money, nothing's going to happen. And I think... So about the uh, Black Friday, talk about that. Which one? How they shut down Black Gibson Mile. Oh, yeah. Fuck, fuck with the money. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in, even in Chicago, <laughs> in Chicago... Uh, Everybody was very worried, I think, and the White House was calling because they thought with the release of the video that there was going to be riots and violence. And black people in riots. Yeah. But it's not just, it was young people, yeah, yeah. black people, everybody is, is disgusted by this, by this, the normalization of, of this kind of violence that we, that we see every day. So they had a very peaceful march and they walked right down Michigan Avenue and on the Black Friday and it was very purposefully done which is which is which the message was uh, we're going to interrupt commerce we're not going to break any buildings we're not going to do anything but you know and that I think is if we did that or if people marched and did that enough almost anything could happen because people don't uh, billionaires don't like losing money and what's was fitting yesterday we had the New York premiere of Chirac it was also the 60th anniversary of Rosa Parks refusing to give up her seat, which led to the Montgomery boycott, and it went on for over a year. But finally, the bus company had to give up because of economics. So there are many, many different times we've seen in this country where people aren't gonna do anything just for what's good, what's just, what's correct. Change is only gonna come a lot of times when it affects the bottom line. And we saw that in Montgomery 60 years ago, we saw it Black Friday. We saw it at the University of Missouri, where black football players said, we're tired of how students of color treated the racist treatment of us on this campus, and said, we're going on strike. Their next game was against BYU, and Arrowhead, Arrowhead Stadium was where the Kansas City Chiefs plays. That's the NFL stadium. The game was sold out. They're going to lose a million dollars plus many more the rest of the season. There was going to be no games. And the board of trustees got together, and they told the president, motherfucker, you got to go. <laughs> Those football, I mean, and I really think, I could tie that for me. I think that started with Black Lives Matter because Missouri, they, they, I mean, they're not really a powerhouse. So they recruit from in-state, St. Louis, Ferguson. So I think that stuff went from uh, 
Black Lives Matter, University of Missouri, the president had to re resign, the chancellor, and that has sparked activism all across colleges and universities just from what happened in the University of Missouri. Again, it came down to money. They were going to lose a million dollars against the next game, Big BYU. Board of directors, the board, uh, the board trustees said, uh-uh, out of here. You know, but that you know, it also gets to a, a larger question, which is the ability to strike and affect capital that way and to organize is, um, that's been under siege in America for a long time. So it might not be the right form to talk about those politics, but I do think if you're gonna talk about this, it's not about just wearing an orange vest. Mm -hmm. And it's not about just being, you know, pro-life and anti-assault rifles. You know, you have to actually talk about the money and follow the money. Well, you know, unions, uh, labor unions were some of the biggest leaders of the organized uh, you know, civil rights movement. And what, what, a lot, what gets whitewashed a lot, too, is even when, when Martin Luther King was shot, um, one of the reasons that I think he was shot, too, was not that he was preaching nonviolence and love and brotherhood among all the races and a truly Christian gospel, but he was also talking about imperialism, wars, and he was striking with the sanitation workers. And they said, if, if these motherfuckers strike, you're done. So uh, it's, you know, it, this, is, this is just history. So uh, I think good intentions and um, good intentions only bring you so far. And I don't think you're going to do it on, uh, it's not going to come from the top down. But I think if, uh, if people demand it, um, maybe we can do something. But I don't know, what, what, what else can you say when, 2,200 people get killed, and um, we're worried about tourism. You know, or 2,200 uh, people got shot. So f only 500 people been murdered I mean, in Chicago. That's the reason why me and the honor, me and and his honor had different opinions. Because for me, a human life is worth more than the dollar amount. And and this goes back to do the right thing. If you, and I know many of you were born after that, but I'll. I'll let you notice. Do the right thing was like a litmus test if you read the reviews and you could tell politically where people were. If you read if, if you read the reviews of Do the Right Thing where they were lamenting the loss of white owned property, Sal's famous pizza burned to the ground, and not one mention Ray Rahim, that that automatically tells you they put where their values are white-owned properties over supposed a young black thug. So this is what, where we get to with these gun manufacturers. But the, I mean, and and, and the, they, they, they value, you know, we get the politicians who are, like you said in the film, who are in the cahoots with the NRA and the gun manufacturers, they're putting Profit over human over human lives. Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, John, you give a when you know you guys you say what else do you say when twenty two hundred people get shot? You give a real barn burner of a sermon, uh, which is which Father Flager has said in I've heard it said in person. Have seen, seen the it. film yet? I think we need to show a clip of this sermon. His scene. Come on, give it up. They haven't seen it, but the real guy you should see Father Flager. Look him up on YouTube. Yeah, I think, well, let's watch the clip and then talk about, you know, you talking with him because it's an incredible scene and he's an incredible guy and so we should uh, recognize that. So. Father Michael Flavor, living saint, so let's, saint uh, Sabina Church.
Syndics say, well, if I snitch, I'll be killed too. First of all, when a murderer walks free, we are all in danger. But if multiple folks come forward, multiple folks who witness these murders, there is no one target. What makes someone a target is not the shooter. What makes someone a target is the community that surrenders to fear and becomes silent. It is a great speech. Uh, it's longer than that. When you see the movie on Friday, it comes out Friday, you'll see it. And I wanted to ask you about talk with Michael Flager, uh, Father Michael Flager, who has been in the community a really long time. He's the, one of the centerpieces of the anti-gun movement there. So uh, what did you... Well, what's great about Mike Flager is he, he understands that, this, that gun violence and this sort of violence, it, it may... If 2,200 people were shot on the Magnificent Mile, the army would surround Chicago and we would invade Chicago to take it back. So the fact that the people who are getting shot are in the primarily poorer areas, blacker areas, the western suburbs, this discussion may begin with the race element, but ultimately it comes down to class and, and, and economics. And, Martin, and Malcolm X said that, right? So many times. So he doesn't blame the police. He doesn't blame white people. He, doesn't, he, he blames anybody who's doing the killing and anyone who's profiting on the killing and anyone who's, um, who's staying silent about it. So across the spectrum, he is asking for accountability all across all spectrums of society. So these divisions we have, I think, um, about it are, are non-existent. So I think he comes from a, a, um, a, you know, a Jesuit Catholic liber liberation theology social justice movement. He, he was, a, as a young teenager, he saw Malcolm X walking down the, I'm sorry, Martin Luther King walking down the street and he was, people were hitting him with rocks and he said he was going to be a priest and devote his life to nonviolence. And, and he's not, you know, it's not about the cult of Mike Flager or Spike Lee or anyone else. There are a lot of people doing this kind of work all over the place. But uh, I think he, you know, like the Berrigan brothers or the current pope, um, he has a real strong sense of social justice that's been lacking from the church. And he, he believes the church should be a dangerous church. He believes it should be out on the street. And he believes it should be doing everything it can. And he's a radical cat. I mean, he puts bounties on people's heads from church. I mean, he, he puts a $5,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of any killer. He's got, I mean, he does some incredible things. And he really doesn't care what you think of him because he's the one who is... Um, consoling the families and doing the funerals and uh, the christenings and he's living in that community and we should make more stories about more Michael Flakers all across the the character that all across the states that John played originally became more Michael Flager when we were shooting but in in pre-production we were I was a car I'm a Kevin Wilmot and I, the co-director, we were also thinking about Carl Malden's role in On the Waterfront. So Carl Malden had more screen time. <laughs> but I did good. He never seen like that, though. Like that. He did, though. <laughs> what? Uh, the scene, the scene... In the dock? Yeah, in the dock. Nah, this is better. Oh. And longer. You can't argue with the director. That, that, that scene's not 16 minutes, though. That's true. But, that's, uh, but that is a great character. 
But I also thought of the Berrigan brothers who I grew up with too. And, and also, it was really a homage to a dear friend of mine, the late great Bud Schilberg, who wrote yes. On the Waterfront, won an Oscar for it too. Yeah, and I know you, you shot it in the church with a lot of parishioners there, and so... It was the, it was the congregation of St. Sabina. That's what I'm saying. Spike made it so the actors who, who, who didn't come from the community were just in the community. We were shooting all over the South Side. You know, and we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, political money and how to get gu uh, gun violence, you know, how to end that. And uh, in this movie, in Chirac, uh, the point is uh, the women of the South Side of Chicago decide that we're going to not have sex until the men, until the gangs put down their guns, put down their weapons. So I think we're going to watch a clip that clarifies that a little bit, and uh, we will take, and then we will take some audience questions. But I want to make sure people see, uh, you know, what the film is. Uh, you know, it's a satire. So let's see what uh, see what that looks like here. Be so damn smart, you know you tweaking, right? You lame as hell playing games for real with this whack-ass panty stripe. And that's that shit we don't like. You want to choose to be rude? Bitches gonna be tight when you make them lose their dues. I don't know who you think you're trying to change. I'm Trojan through and through. That's stronger than any damn screw. It's even bigger than you. All you care about is this tired gangster game. Well, it's lame. You think you die with fame? Me grow two days later, no one will even remember your name. Your machismo is really masochist. That's why I'm cutting off your jism. As long as you love the life more than a wife, we should You're so frigid. Don't you let me throw you out with this ice cream. No, you can't resist the chocolate neck. Chill out. The next move, your best move, Fine. Remember that little kitty rhyme? 369 Indigo Drake wine. Made a chicks walk that no sex line. But the line broke and them bitches choked. Alyssa Strada and her former friends got replaced by some tighter popes. <laughs> I'm out. Bye. Be safe. We, we forgot to say it's in verse. Yeah, it's very, very impressively written. It's, uh, you know, just that alone is such an accomplishment. But that whole movie in verse, or most of it anyways. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. So, um, and Toyota Paris is great, too. I think this is like a real breakout for her. I saw her first in, uh, first time I saw her was in Dear, Dear White People. Yeah, that's another great movie that came out last year. So I think we're going to start taking some audience questions. Uh. Hi, everyone. I'm Chantal Haley. I'm uh, currently a PhD student studying sociology at NYU. NYU? NYU, All down right. the street. Um, the violence. I went there for six months. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, and before I went to NYU, I actually did a lot of studies looking at the South Side of Chicago, and particularly the um, experiences of kids. The what? On the South, I've did a lot of work doing research on the South Side of Chicago, specifically um, kids and their experiences with violence. Um, and so, one of the things I'm really wondering is, does the the um, the film speak to that? Both the experiences of the people, uh, the people who are surrounded um, by this violence, and also the structural um, components that have created Chicago and created um, many ghetto communities that are um, that have pervasive violence. We deal with it, and, and the scene we just talked about with John, which is a 60-minute, 60-minute eulogy slash sermon. A lot of stuff you just mentioned, he deals with it. Uh, also, I, I can just add to that, too. Uh, one of the things that's so frightening, was so frightening to me, was when you would talk to people in that community. And it's, you know, I, I live downtown. It's an, in a nice, nicer, richer part of town. 
And, um, you know, it only take me 20 minutes to get to the south side if there's no traffic. And in there, on your, on your, on my Vespa. Vespa. <laughs> he was coming to the set sometimes on a Vespa without a helmet. He tried to tell me I couldn't ride, and I said, "Look, Spike, I love you, but I hate traffic more. <laughs> and I'm a grown man. I gotta. I know I should." Thank you. There's not a law there. There isn't. But the um, what they're what. What they were telling me, what Father Flager and, and the community was telling me is it was when, they go to, when they're going to high school in, uh, in the south side and, and the surrounding western suburbs, they leave seats open for the people who've been killed. And, and they have memorials already ready. And they say to people who are in grade school, they say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, well, I want to be alive. And this is not like poetic, hyperbolic shit. This is actually happening right now. So I think your point is, is that even people who aren't physically maimed or wounded are living with PTSD. They're living, with, they're living in an unnatural state that no child should ever have to. And um, you, know, you could even make an argument deeper than that, which is forget all the Americans that have been killed in these wars. What about the places that we bombed? So violence is just normal. You know, we kill and we plunder, we do what we want, and it's reaching our communities, and it, it's, now it's reaching uh, the the privileged areas of the communities too with, with the gun violence. So that's me not speaking for the film, but I think that's a very real thing. People are just living in a state of fear and in a state of, uh, what, PTSD? It was, to, to piggyback on what, I mean, I've never heard, you know, you're leaving, say, I'll see you later. It's not see you later, be safe. Be safe, be safe, be safe, be safe. Mothers would tell me, they say, Spike, every time my child leaves the house, I pray to God my son or daughter returns to our homes because I mean, it's, it's a war zone. And no one's really done it. What, another pick up on what you said, this post-traumatic stress. When you're children, elementary school, one day your classmates there, you come back next, oh, the week, weekend, come back Monday, empty chair. So they're, they're not really getting counseling on, on how to deal with loss like that. So, the, the, I mean, people, and even the, the younger cats, like we have a scene in a film where Nick Cannon's character is, is porn lean. The cough syrup, you mix it with the Sprite, and you throw some watermelon or grape Jolly Ranchers. And these, it's, they're, they're, it's self-medication. It's self-medication. The guy is drinking lean, he's smoking, they're on pills. It, it's sad. So you say the goal of this movie is to save lives, which is very commendable. And I work in uh, behavioral neuroscience, and when you see a film like this, it's very topical. There's three main reactions, right? There's a standstill, nothing happens. A backlash, it moves in the opposite direction. Or a revolution. And what is it about the way that you crafted this film that you think will spark a revolution and not either of the other two? Well, number one, I believe in my craft. I believe in my storytelling. I believe in great actors that I cast, and we, we have a righteous cause. 
Well, and also you have to think about uh, the revolution. If you know that's that's a that word has been uh, bought and branded and co-opted um, by uh, a lot of deep money. So that's more. That, isn't that something that people would do with Nike and stuff? The revolution. You know, if, as I said, the revolution is only going to, anything that's going to, real change is going to have to be from the bottom up. It's not going to be you listening to me because I'm a movie star or give a fuck what I think. It's people going to be so disgusted that they actually take action to affect the flow of big money. That's, that's it. So if this is part of that conversation, that's good enough reason for me to do it. It's good enough reason for me to do it that the people in the south side of Chicago feel like they're not invisible and nobody gives a fuck about them. You know, so I don't know about revolution, but it won't be televised. Hey, Spike, John. Uh, Chicagoan, living in Brooklyn now. Um, I had no beef with the title Chirac at all, but one thing as a Chicagoan, living in Bucktown, living in Bronzeville, and then now here in, in Brooklyn, I was wondering, how's this New York cat going to tell Chicago's story? What kind of work did you do to try to give Chicago its justice in telling this story? Very legitimate question. I'll ask you a question, though. Did you see my documentary, Four Little Girls? It oh, won an, yeah. It was nominated an Oscar. I'm not oh, yeah. from Birmingham, Alabama. Did you see my two documentaries about Katrina? When the levees broke? If the God is willing to... I'm not from New Orleans. I'm not from Alabama. But I'm smart enough to know I need to get with the people who are from there. So we started June 1st filming, but I was in Chicago in January, six months before the cameras started to roll. So I got with Father Flager, and Father Flager in turn put me with the people I needed to be. I never come to any situation thinking, I'm motherfucking Spike Lee, I'm from Brooklyn, I know the fuck about everything. <laughs> I don't roll like that. I don't roll like that. You've also been coming to Chicago since the Knicks have been losing to the Bulls, yeah, right? Yeah. So I, I remember I was, I was sitting with him and but but you what know, you said is 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 a what so you saying the old Chicago Stadium you were you were always depressed and I was always happy. So he's been coming to Chicago for a long time. But what you said is a legitimate concern. But I think that I not follow the motherfucking turnip truck. So look at my go to IMDb. <laughs> look at my body of work, and I think it speaks for itself. But. I, when you do, if you do see the film, I think, I hope you will think that we did your great city justice. No, but you know, that's a valuable, I mean, that's a good question you asked. Okay, so I, I hope my question makes sense, but um, oftentimes, and I, I, I know your movies, oftentimes, how, I just want to understand what you felt like the climate was between Latinos and blacks in the south side of Chicago? Was there solidarity? Are, are they, are they, is that portrayed in the film? That's, that's, that's not really in this film. All I, I, really, I really can't speak about Chicago. I know about LA. I know that what's happened, what's happened in the past, happened today, present day between African American Hispanics is not the way it is New York City. When I grew up, you know, Puerto Ricans, Boricuas, African Americans, Dominicans, it's like the same thing. So we've never had that static that, that's in LA between, uh, in, on the West Coast between uh, African Americans and Hispanics. 
But I, you, you should ask John that question about what, it, what the climate, what, what the field is between African Americans and Hispanics. Well, oh, yeah, there you go, give him the mic. <laughs> That's right, give him the mic. So the situation is, uh -oh. right? <laughs> the situation so, is. So we had Chewy running for mayor, but the problem is since Harold Washington, we hadn't had, he was the first person to actually really bring everybody together. So he brought blacks, Break Latinos together. But after, after he died, it just broke apart. People Mysterious tried to- death too, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of what happened. So when we had Chewy running, people were like, oh, I don't know. So it was like plantation politics that goes on in Chicago to a large degree. So unfortunately, the communities are suffering from the same problem, but no one's ever really uniting in that. Puerto Ricans do their thing, even Mexicans do their thing, black folks do their thing, white folks do their thing. And, and it's, unfortunately, that's kind of what it's like. It's not as fluid as it here in, 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 uh, in New York. Also, people are more segregated. So communities here, you move one block, it's Pakistani. You move one block, it's Bangladesh. You move one block, it's, it's Orthodox. Same building, there's Haitians. You know, so that doesn't happen in Chicago. That's the first thing I know is Chicago and moving to New York. It's definitely much more of a, a fluid mix. The other thing that happened, you know, I think since I was growing up in Chicago is that usually when you'd hear somebody getting killed or if there was something having to do a killing around race, there was always either an obvious racial element or there was an economic element, right? It was about money or it was about business. And what's happening in Chicago now is people are killing each other because they get dissed on social media. It's madness. I mean, and uh, so there's all these components to the politics, but I think it has to do with um, communities that don't have a real economy. It has to do with going from third-rate schools to first-class privatized prisons. I mean. It's no one soundbite. There's a lot of big politics around these issues. But what's di different now is that the, it's just mayhem block to block. Is that, do you think that's fair? And, and, and the reason why that is, back in the day, this stuff is addressed in the film. Jeff Ford, cast like that, they were gangsters. They were killers, but they had a code. They had rules. You children were off limits. Women were off limits. Elders were off limits. If you killed a kid, if you turn yourself, this isn't in the film. Antle Bassett sits in a very poignant scene. If you killed a kid, if you didn't turn yourself into the cops, you were getting killed. Well, because of the RICO Act, all the, the, the OGs got locked up. So when they got locked up, sent away to federal prison, it's mayhem. And so no one's going to step up to be the lead. They don't even, even call them gangs now, they call them organizations. So no one's gonna step up to be the lead of the organization because you do that, you're going straight to federal pen. So it's mayhem. A lot of young cats, I mean, it is 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 led to a nine-year-old like Tyshawn Lee, who's led into an alleyway, being executed. That never happened back in the day. Children off limits. So and, and then if, you have if you, you have, kill me, yeah. then I'm gonna kill your mama, your grandmother, I don't care. I don't give a fuck. I mean and I mean you kill my my relative, I'm killing your whole family. That's that's the. Or you don't. I mean, you know, Brandon and Kurt were telling me things. You know that somebody doesn't like what someone says, and they just go to a graduation party and start open fire. So it's it's another thing I didn't understand. It's gotten even crazier if, than I've ever seen it. Well, John touched it on before. I did not know before I got to Chicago that you could be killed by what you post on social media. If you put something. 
on social media, somebody thinks it's out of pocket, it doesn't come correct, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, you could be killed. That's why at the beginning of the film, we have these tweets and stuff like that. Hi, um, I wanted to know if there were any specific events happening either locally in Chicago or nationwide that kind of had you um, want to stop shooting and figure out a way to incorporate it into the film. Yeah, we did the one, the scene, one of the scenes with uh, about the Confederate shooting with Dylan Roof. Yeah, he, I came in the next morning and Spike had new pages. There's a scene in the film that is about Dylan Storm and. His active D- Dylan Roof was his name, or I can't remember. The killer, the killer for Dylan Storm Roof. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that when we started the film, it, that wasn't in the script because it had not happened. But when it happened, I, and Kevin Woman and I co write, we said, we got to put this in a movie. So we get that two days before we shot? <laughs> that morning. <laughs> the next morning, you'd written it that night. Uh, That's all the time we have. Thank you so much, John Cusack, Spike Lee.